You know what I love about that song? I love that it states, declare your praise. Isn't that something? Declarations. I think sometimes we fail to declare good things upon people. You know, sometimes we even accept word curses. This isn't a part of today's message, but I just, it was like that thing just like blinked on me. Declare your praise, you know? So let's just give God a, a, a praise. So let's just declare his praise. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. I love praising the Lord. I'm going to get right into the message today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 139, and we're going to highlight verses 13 and 14 this morning. What we're going to talk about is Jesus loves me, this I know. It's kind of an original for me. And, uh, okay, all right, I just want to see if anybody learned that song as well. I, you know, so, and, and because today is a child dedication, we're talking about giving them back to God, giving them back to God. And what, what like transpired, you know, people get a little bit confused. Sometimes they'll say to me, you know, what is baby dedication or what is child dedication? Are they saved? Are we baptizing them? And, and within the different religions, you'll see that they do different things. What we're doing is we're saying, thank you, God, for you have entrusted us with the care of this little child, with the care of our son or our daughter or our niece or nephew or grandchild or whatever, you know, you're involved with in their life. However you're instrumental, we're giving them back. Hannah gave back her child. And so, yes, it, it is an Old Testament, yet in the New Testament, and I'll bring that out, we start to see some things come to life. So, for those that are dedicating, there will be a time at the end of the service. I will dismiss you. You can prepare yourself, get ready and back, and then we'll come forward and we'll anoint the babies and we'll dedicate them this morning. But let's look at verse 13 of Psalms chapter 139. And here's what it reads. For you formed my inward parts. Now what I want you to do is I want you to take in, in the Bible there, circle formed. And then also where it says you covered, I want you to also circle that covered me, highlight it, whatever. If you have your iPad, your iPhone, whatever that looks like, do that as well. You covered me in my mother's womb. Then it continues and says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows right well or very well. God's character goes into the creation of every person. God's character goes into the creation of every person. And also, God's power is magnified in the development of human life before birth. Do you believe that this morning? I know that uh, we go through these seasons and yet we believe what people tell us that it's not a life that, you know, it's not a life till it's here so many weeks. That's all hogwash to me because here's what I believe. I believe as soon as that child is conceived, there's conception. That is a human being. And God starts his creation and his creativity. Boom. Right then. And so don't believe what the world has to tell us about the value of life. Can I hear a big amen in this room? Amen. Hallelujah. Right. I'm glad this church stands on the word of God. Amen. Amen. Come on. 
Verse 13 said, and I love what verse 13 says because it says right here, it says that he covered them and he formed them. By virtue of the divinely designed period of pregnancy, God watches over the development of the child while yet in the mother's womb. That's so cool. That's cool to me to think that in the journey, you know, when Megan lost uh, the baby this year, I told our daughter, I said, listen, God had that child right here. Well, at one point it was right here, then there, and you know, it started growing a little bit. And I said, so, so don't worry, because God saw fit. And listen, if we're going to trust God in the little things, we're going to trust God in the big things. Then if God gives us or allows us to be, some of you ladies, with child, then that's wonderful. If not, God has a plan and he's working all things out. It doesn't sometimes seem like that. But we know that God is right in the middle of the design that he so graciously, you know, has created for each and every one of us. I love the little song that says, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. One of the number one greatest songs other than Amazing Grace, this was written back in 1860 by a lady who actually wrote it in regard to a friend's dying child. And uh, so it was a song of comfort. So, as you know, Travis and Megan are now flying in the big bird in the sky. They take off at 1215 this morning from their week on vacation. And, um, and out of nowhere, so we sing with Libby, my two-year-old granddaughter, and out of nowhere, the little stinker decides she's going to sing. I couldn't help myself. I don't know how well this, the, the clarity and the pixelation and all that stuff is. But out of nowhere at the mall, watch what she does. Because she knows who her Jesus is. <laughs> Two years old. Now let me ask you an important question. Do you believe that she knows who Jesus is? She was like this. You're a stinker. Well, I've watched that all week and I said, oh, that's it. I have, to, I have to talk about Jesus loves me. Listen, if a two-year-old can embrace that, and, uh, then we should as well. Do you believe that you truly love the Lord your God. That when you say you dedicate or you have dedicated, that you give back what he has so freely given you. So the question is, have you done that? And can you do that? So in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, as we turn there, verses 1 through 13, Abraham literally, totally, irrevocably gave, gave back Isaac, his son, to God. When you just stop and think about that, that had to be a hard and painful process for Abraham. 
After all, think about this. Abraham loved Isaac. He loved his son as much as you love your child. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him and give him up as a burnt offering. Now, let's just take a little bit of an advertisement here and time out. Uh, the message today is not about, let's go grab our children. We're going to have a bonfire out back, and we're going to sacrifice them. That is not what today's message is about. What today's message is about is, what would you do if God spoke to you? And, uh, and be careful by using that incorrectly as well, right? Because I think sometimes people can do that. And uh, However, I just think of this great sacrifice of a parent and a child relationship. Jake asked me this past week, he said, I have a question for you. Do you believe that, that Isaac knew what was going on? I said, I don't know that he knew what was going on, but I have to tell you this, that I feel that he trusted his father. And so there was that relationship of trust between Abraham and Isaac. And because of that relationship, I thought it was really cool that he journeyed with him up that mountain. And he was a part of, you know, really fulfilling what God wanted to take place. And we know that in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was burnt sacrifices. And I'm so thankful for the New Testament and the New Covenant, which is Jesus Christ, who became the Lamb of God, who died for all of humanity, because God so loved the world. That he did what? He gave us his son. That was the offering that was given for us and ushered up for us so that now we have access to have that deep relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you'll see here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1, let's read together, or you can follow on the screen. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Right there, there's evidence of God is working in this dad. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, always love number three, number seven, God is a God of numbers. Amen. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and here's what he said. My father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Stop right there. This gives me goosebumps. Because what I start to see manifest right here is that God, in prophetic word, yet Abraham is saying to his son Isaac, don't you worry, God is preparing the burnt offering. God is preparing the lamb. 
I mean, I'm sure he wasn't like just singing, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay, my, oh, my, what a wonderful... I, I don't think Abraham was doing that. I think what he was doing is saying, I'm fulfilling what God spoke to me. Isn't that just such a measure of faithfulness and love? I mean, that is powerful to me when you really think about it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Would you put your faith and trust in God like Abraham has? And when he tells you, listen, here's what the proverb says to train up, to raise up a child in the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. Will you do as I advise? I know it's hard. Yeah, I know you're going to have to be up early every Sunday morning. And I know that you're going to have to have devotions and pray with your kids and teach them the simple principles of life. But how difficult is it for something so small, but it seems so big to all of us? So, yes, how can we bring in child dedication? Because I believe that every one of us have to commit to making sure that our part and our role is not just sitting back saying, I did my time and it's over. Do you know that Libby has learned that song because her other grandpa and grandma sing a tour? We sing a tour. Her, her BB says, let's sing it together. And she says, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible. She, she fills in all the spaces. Then just all of a sudden started singing it. Why? Because it became personal. If we look at her and we don't make her believe that what we're saying isn't true, she'll never come to Jesus Christ. She'll never come to understand the fullness of Christ. And I'm here to tell you, church, listen to me closely. It is not my responsibility nor Pastor Chris's responsibility as the children's pastor, nor Pastor Luke's responsibility to raise your children. So quit putting that on my shoulders. Quit telling me that, you know what, it's, you're just not enough. Pastor Chris just isn't enough. No, we're not enough, but Jesus is enough. And you have a responsibility to, to do your part to raise your children in the ways of the Lord, right? Amen. I get blamed. Seriously. My kid would have turned out better if you, my kid would have been this way, if you, back when I was a youth pastor, somebody said, my daughter wouldn't have gotten pregnant if you would not have preached on purity, if you would have stopped preaching on purity. I'm like, no, your daughter got pregnant because you chose to let her go across the state with her boyfriend and they got a hotel. That's the truth. Now, I mean, I'm just telling you. We have a responsibility, parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles. Let's love these kids to the cross. Let's teach them great principles. Who cares? Listen, the public school... Lord, I know I was not going to say this, but I'm saying it today. The public school system is trying to ruin our children. Disney, DreamWorks, all this other junk that's out there, they're trying to ruin our children. We have a great responsibility to make sure that we're raising them, training them, doing what our part is in Christ. Back when I was just a little boy, you know, I came to know Jesus at, at a young age. But I remember we didn't have children's chapel. We didn't have it. You went into the service and you sat with an adult. And how dare you move? Because if you did, they will rip your ear right off. Don't get your head to nod. And back then, that was the days when pastor would literally stand behind, yeah, the pulpit that was about this big. And then they would preach like this over the pulpit. And you would think as a, as a little boy that I would just get bored. How do you get bored when they're 
shouting and yelling like that all the time. No wonder they wanted the kids in the service. You shout and you scream and you yell and you hoot and holler and everything else. And, uh, but I've learned as well. Yes, I can become authoritative in preaching. But the word of God will not come back void. It says in Isaiah 55, it'll prosper. And so when the, the word goes out, it lies on the hearts of every person. I went home at nine years of age and I said to my mom, how do I get to heaven? Because I heard our pastor preach on it, Bill Snowden, who's gone home to be with the Lord. And why? Because I was listening. But it's not the responsibility, responsibility only of the pastor to teach the word. We have a great privilege to embrace God's word and to teach it by example. Do you hear me? By example. You know, I, I, love, I love the little girls. Even with, today we're dedicating Olivia, and even with Olivia Rain, even now, you know, if, if she's upset and they'll FaceTime me, and I try to talk to her and comfort her, and I'll sing little songs like, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine, you make me happy. And, you know, she starts to grin, and she gets all happy. It's because as her grandfather, I have a great responsibility to show her what true love is. You see, when Jesus becomes the father to the fatherless, when sometimes we lack in our responsibility and our role, that's when we have to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to trust in you. And then he steps in. Uh, to all my girls, uh, I've sung this song, and it's something back in the 40s, but it kind of goes like this. Beautiful Livia, beautiful Livy, you're the only good girl that Papa adores. Whenever the moon shines over the mountain, I'll be waiting at the kitchen door. I'll be waiting at the kitchen door. You know why? And the girls all know on cue because I sang it to my daughters. I sang it to her. It's tacky, but it's actually called Beautiful Katie. It's a song years ago. I don't know if any of you know it, but... I know that even in Abraham's life, they might have been whistling while they were going there. They might have been talking and communicating. But I know that he felt the love of his father. So he trusted him. So it says now in verse 9, Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here am I. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God is asking us to put the most important things in our lives on the altar. But I believe that God is also asking each and every one of us to put ourselves and our children on the altar of sacrifice. And so the question for you this morning is, what have you sacrificed? The question is, 
Have you ever given your children back to God? Some of you are thinking, I'd like to give them back. (laughs) But I didn't think God would take them back. I thought he had no return policy on kids. Besides, I lost the receipt. The truth is, there is there isn't a parent in this sanctuary who hasn't had a few moments or days when they wouldn't have liked to package up that kid and take him or her back to God's customer service counter and demand, I want my money back. We've been there. Becky and I, when first married, we had, you know, four theories on raising kids, and now we have four kids and no theories. You learn as you grow, right? Well, I'm not suggesting that you return your kids to God and try to get your money back. But when I ask you if you have ever given your children back to God, what I am asking, have you ever really recognized your children? They are precious to God from the Lord. And they belong ultimately and always to God first and not to you. And two, what I am asking, have you really released ownership of your children to him? understanding God is responsible for the way in which they were designed and already knows the plan and purpose for their future. And then third, what I'm asking, have you ever really realized God has left it up to you to show them his way, not your way? In Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says this, Train up a child, what? In the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Say this with me. Train. Train. Amen. There are many examples of parents in the Bible who brought their children to God and gave them back to him. We've learned in Genesis, Abraham gave back Isaac, which to me was truly the miracle child. You know, I heard, you know, Anne Marie say, you know, as you get older, I think as we all get older, I'm 53 years old. And uh, I know at 53 years old, I tell the girls all the time, I can give you an hour. After that, I'm burnt out. <laughs> Wore out. Libby even said to me this morning, while they were getting ready to go into the airport, I said, you're going to see Papa today. And you know what she says? Snack. Snack, Papa. That means snack. <laughs> it's not that she loves me. She loves that snack cabinet. But I make it good for her and it's always funny because i'm doing i will do the same thing for every little grandchild and i put all the junk in there that i can because i praise jesus sister praise him hallelujah and i love when i love when she stands there and opens up that cabinet and she just drools over all of the things that she can eat and it's but and grins yeah, that's just true too. Yes, that is right. No, Ryan goes to the refrigerator every time he comes out. I'm like, what are you looking for, son? He goes, I just like to see what you guys have in here. I go, no, you want to eat. He's always wanting to eat. <laughs> I, I just stand there with an open So here, here's how it really engages. No, you don't. You eat the food. I know how you are. Yeah, right? So. So, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Abraham's 90. 90 years old. Sarah, 
100 years old. Help me. I'm having a hard time getting around to 53 years old. And now they're going to have a child? Who was running to the snack counter for that child? Not me. They'll be visiting me and bringing my snacks to my bed, right? I'm just telling you that, right? So we see here that Abraham gives back Isaac. And first Samuel, Hannah brought her son Samuel, the son for whom she prayed for. Yet she says, I prayed for this gift. God, you gave this child to me, and now I give this child back to you. Now it brings us to Luke chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. And it says this, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to do what? To present him to the Lord. So they presented. Even Joseph and Mary came and they presented the child back to God. You know, we we talk so much about Easter. We talk so much about giving back, you know, and that he died for us. But I believe that the key word that we need to see here is that he presented, they presented Jesus, and then they surrendered him to the Lord. So you go back to the Old Testament and you see Abraham and Isaac. So he presents his child, yet we see full surrender there as well. Do you know the best thing Abraham ever did was to surrender his son back to God? Look here, Abraham refused to give Isaac back to God. Had Abraham, I'm sorry, had Abraham refused to give Isaac back to God, he would have forfeited all God's promises and plans for Isaac. Isaac would have lived and died in obscurity, a nomad and a nobody. Yet, but because Abraham obeyed, now watch, because Abraham obeyed and gave Isaac back to God, Isaac received the fullness of God's best plan and promise for his life. Isaac became a wealthy man. Isaac became the forefather of God's own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaac, Isaac's life is still having an impact on and blessing millions of people worldwide through his offspring, Jesus Christ. Watch what happens. It's difficult for some of us, because we're selfish, to give back something that God has given to us. This life is just material. My granddaw was here this morning because she had a little bit of a, uh, a, a dress problem. So my daughter brings her up here after discipleship class and says, oh, look, didn't she look cute naked with just a little bloomer on, right? As they were repairing, Cassie was back there repairing, you know, the wardrobe malfunction. Yet, as I see her, I think I love seeing my kids. I'm blessed that we get to do church together. I'm blessed that we get to do Jesus together. I'm blessed that I get to hug her and, and get excited over the little moments of all the little things that take place in my granddaughter's life. You know, the girls, Elaine, Libby, and Olivia have a special place in their grandfather's heart. But I will tell you this, from the moment of conception, I went to my knees 
in my prayer closet and I say, God, I don't know who these little people are. I don't know what they are, if they're a male, female, boy, girl, whatever's going on in there. They could have triplets. I don't know. But God, I know they're yours. So I give this baby to you. I give this child to you. And, you know, through the loss that Megan suffered this year, I told her, I said, it's okay. Because she was, or he was, fearfully and wonderfully made. And God knew it because he created that baby, he formed that baby, and he covered that baby. And that's what God does in his sovereignty for us. Because he loves us. But I want you to see why Isaac and the generations of mankind have been blessed. Why? Because what you don't see is this. In the midst of your sacrifice today, in the midst of your commitment today, in the midst of what you're going to give of your own life. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ today, give your life to him. But what I think is cool that Abraham heard the voice of God. Say this with me. He heard the voice of God. Once he heard the voice of God, he became obedient to the will of the Father. And once he became obedient to the will of the Father, here's the cool part. So Abraham says, come here, son. And his son takes him. And as I start to widen down this message here, he he takes him and, and he lays him on the altar. And at the time, you all have to know something. They know the seriousness of this, right? They've been going through this for years, giving up burnt offerings. But you might have heard me say this before, and I will say it again, if I have to say it again and again. When we let go, we let God. And God starts to work all things out for our good. You may not see it, but he is. Picture this. We're at the price is right. And remember the little dude that used to go, the Swiss little dude, he used to climb up the mountain. You know, he was climbing up the mountain. Yeah. I need a better visual. Whatever, how they go up that mountain, you know, or whatever. And uh, you would see Bob Barker, you know, they're all watching this little thing go up that mountain. What I think is really cool about the significance of just that picture, and this is what I always saw. That Abraham told his son, let's go. And his son was obedient, and he, and he heard, and he listened. But this is what I believe took place. As Abraham was faithful and taking his son up for the sacrifice, on this side of the mountain comes a blessing. On this side of the mountain comes reward. On this side of the mountain comes provision. And when he gets ready to lay down that sacrifice, God says, the angel of the Lord says, stop, stop. Look over into that bush. Look in the thicket. There's your blessing. There's your sacrifice. Sometimes we don't see what God is doing. But we have to believe that he's doing all things for our good. I know that right now, even in my own tribulations and trials of life i know that god is working all things out for my good and it may not appear as if things are taking place over here but i know who i am 
and I know whose I am. But I also know that right over here, God's promises are true and his provisions are for us, with us, and he sees me because we're of value to him. So I'll receive that blessing. I'll receive what he has for us. So it is. You and I need to learn from Abraham this morning. If we refuse and fail to give our children back to God, we may be very well forfeiting God's best plan and purpose for their lives. And when we entrust our children back to God, we secure for them the covenant of God's best purpose and plan for their lives. So here's some food for thought. To give your child to God is not just a ceremony. It is a commitment. It's not just a ceremony. It's a commitment. It is a commitment to do what? To be a godly parent. To parent and dedicate means that you're getting right with God. So it is a commitment to teach this child of Christ. Why? Because the need to be saved. Third, to keep this child in church, not on a bus. It's not grandparents' responsibility. It's our responsibility to raise our children. Listen, grandparents, you, are, you rock. You're amazing. And I appreciate your dedication and love that you pour into them. However, it's to us to be the responsibility of that parent. Love this child, even if loving them means disciplining them, letting God discipline you. You know, I, I hate that part. Because I will tell you, I love my grand dolls. And I hate disciplining them. And my wife will say, Ming was like, Dad, tell her no. Ryan and Caitlin, tell Elaine no. I'm like, mm, No. I don't want to raise them. Correct. No, I told you girls no, and you know what no means. You still do. Did that sound authoritative? Okay, back to the message. So then we pray for this child. So we need to pray for for our children. Then we need to train our children, right? And then stay married, if all possible, for the sake of that baby. For the sake of the children. Listen, there's great reward. And then last, make your home a holy place. Put away worldliness and live a righteous life. That's what's great. Living a righteous life. I told you, you heard me say it. I'm a crackpot. We all are crackpots. But you know what? With Jesus, he puts those pieces back together and he mends those broken pieces so that we can be better for him. So if the parents will please rise in the room that are going to be dedicating and and you can head out back and uh, get lined up here and then I'll have you come forward. You can grab grab your wonderful little people and then we'll go into the dedication and close out the service this morning. But I want to encourage all of you that if you want to see your kids prosper, it says train. A lot of people will say raise. It says train. So you train that child in the way of the Lord, and when they are old, they won't depart from it. 
Lord, have mercy. We need to hold to the promise. Because sometimes we have wayward children. Sometimes it's difficult through their youth. And sometimes it's difficult in life. But I will tell you that God has entrusted you with them. I need you to be a role model to that child. We as a community of believers have a great responsibility as well. Why do we do our very big Sunday? Why do we have bounce houses out here last week? Why do we continue to contribute? Putting all that aside, putting all the fun away and all the hallelujah hoedowns and everything that goes with that. I want you to know that the most important part is Jesus Christ. And if we don't teach our children that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, then we've lost the purpose and the great responsibility of what it looks like to raise them in the ways of the Lord. Church, do you believe that this morning? Do you receive that this morning? And as we make this dedication, if you've never been a part of New Hope dedication, I hope and pray that that you'll enjoy this today because we also participate in this as well. Well, we get an opportunity to say that we know what our role is and that we will do the best that we can. One thing that I've learned from Abraham, from Hannah, from Mary and Joseph, from all of the great role models of the Word of God, is that they said here, they opened up their hand, they let go, they became unselfish, and they gave back. That's what we need to do. It's very simple. But it's hard to do. It's hard to embrace. But we have to understand our role. So let's just bow our heads and let's have a word of prayer. And let's just, as a church, pray and let's just dedicate our own lives and say, God, help us to be the right type of role model. Maybe I failed you in some way. And after the dedication, we'll have a moment of reflection. But let's pray together. Father, we just thank you, Lord, and we praise you for your word. We thank you that, Lord, you said that from the conception of time, In the beginning, you created man. And God, it said that you formed us, you created us. I even love the word fashion because we are made in your image. And God, for some of us in this room, sometimes we feel we're just never enough. But God, whatever that role looks like or whatever that role is, God, I just pray that um, you'll help all of us to do the best we can, to be the best role models, the best godly role models, and to exalt your name. And to love and discipline and pray and train these children. Lord, as a community of believers, help us to to do our part to continue to uh, teach them the word of God. God, what a difficult world we live in when when so much is against us. Yet, Lord, we know that you're for us. So, God, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your reward and your blessings. And so today, what a great commitment that these parents, grandparents, role models, family members are making on behalf of their loved one. So, Lord, Stir within our hearts to live a righteous, holy life. 
Lord, help these men and women to understand their role that they have with their family and bless them. God, thank you for the next few minutes. We pray for a special anointing and blessing upon these children. In Jesus' name, amen.